Hey, this is Eric, and you're listening to the Story Church Podcast. Our podcast features audio from Sunday mornings at Story Church in Peru, Indiana, a community on the mission of connecting people's story to God's story. If you'd like to connect with us further, check out storyperu.com. Our hope is that today's episode helps you take your next step on your faith journey. Uh, Today, we are continuing a three-part series that we started last week called The Weight of Your Words. And if you missed last week, uh, hop on our podcast. It's up to date, and you can listen uh, to week one of this series. I think you'll be glad that you did because the stuff we're talking about, it's very practical. It's very helpful. It's very kind of like bottom shelf as far as the way that we communicate with one another and the way that we choose to use our words. But to continue things this week, um, I want to start by sharing with you and talking about what I think may be one of the most catalytic relational dynamics uh, that goes under the radar for most of us. One of the most influential or catalytic dynamics that's at play every single day in our lives in almost all of our conversations. But for most of us, we're not aware that this dynamic is happening. So what I wanna do is I wanna kind of surface it and then we'll talk about it uh, with the rest of our time together today and hopefully keep it front and center. And I'll warn you up front, it reads a little clunky Okay, it sounds maybe a little confusing or unclear, uh, but I'm going to spell it out a little bit more. But the dynamic that I'm talking about is this dynamic. It's that the relationship that you have with others is rarely the same relationship they have with you. I know you're kind of like, huh? What, is, what does that possibly mean? I know it's confusingly worded, but the relationship that you have with others, like all the people in your life, it is rarely the same relationship that those people have with you, or in other words, you have relationships with lots of people, right? But that relationship that they have is rarely the same for each person involved. And I think probably the best way to bring some clarity to this principle or this dynamic is to think about it through the lens of a parent-child relationship, right? If you are a parent or or were a parent or at least had parents, right? Most of us had somebody raise us along the way. Uh, You remember that dynamic, like especially if you have little kids in your house right now or you raise little kids, you get this. It's that your child does not have the same relationship with you that you have with your child, right? Because you have a relationship with a child, but for the child, they have a relationship with an adult, and those are two very different relationships. With your child, you have a relationship with someone who is 100% dependent on you, at least when they're little, right? Uh, Whereas for your child, they have a relationship with you with somebody who holds 100% of the cards at least until they're like 13 or 14, right? Then it starts to get a little muddy about who's in charge and who's not. Things get confusing. But uh, this is one of the dynamics, one of the reasons why we don't fully understand what it was like uh, and we don't really get our parents until many of us become parents ourselves. It's because you didn't know what it was like to be in a relationship with a child as a parent, right? You have to be in a relationship with your child often to fully understand what it was like to be your parent in a relationship with you as a child. And it's only when you become a parent or you have experience with a younger person that you uh, begin to feel what they felt, right? You begin to experience what they experienced. If you're like me, you start to say some of the things that they said, right? And it's like, ah, there's dad, like coming out of my mouth right there. You start to fear the things that they feared and you become concerned about things that they were concerned about. And this is why for many of us, uh, whether you become parents or not, many of us, when we reach young adult age or adulthood, we end up going back and apologizing to our parents, right? Because we're like, I had no idea, right? I thought you were so hard on me back then, but now I'm like, you were just normal. And I was the problem because that's how we feel about our kids sometimes. No offense, guys. Uh, So like this dynamic, 
It's true, not only in a parent-child relationship, I mean, it's extraordinarily clear there, but this dynamic is at play in almost all of our relationships, that the relationship that you have with someone is not necessarily the relationship that they have with you. And as obvious as that may seem, this dynamic is something that we rarely take into consideration when it comes to our communication. We rarely take it into consideration as it relates to the words that we choose to use. Uh, another example of where you might see this play out is in your relationship with your employer, right? Your, your relationship uh, with your employees, right? There's a relationship that exists there, but it's not the same relationship. Like, like if you have a boss, I hope like everybody's friendly. I hope you guys get along. I hope you have a great relationship. But at the end of the day, you probably know better than to think that you're like actual friends because there's this power imbalance that happens, right? Like at the end of the day, it's work and there's this inequality between you and your boss. You have a relationship, but it's not the same relationship. Uh, this is true in relationships between siblings. Okay, I'm a younger brother. So older brothers and younger brothers or older sisters and younger sisters or however that works out for your family. There is a difference in that relationship, right? Older brother to younger and younger to older, there's this inequality there. Like the older one, they're like, hey, I've been here longer, right? And the younger one's like, yeah, but I need to figure out how to live, like show me the way sometimes. So there's this inequality that shows up. And, and to be really clear, especially in this one, right? Here's what I'm saying. Everyone has equal value, okay? Older siblings, everyone has equal value, but there are many cases and there are many relationships where there's unequal power or influence or authority. And when that's the case, you're in a relationship with someone, but it's not the same relationship that they have with you. So this reality, it's just kind of baked in to the relationships that we have in life. And it's not a problem that we have to solve. Okay? It's not something that we have to make go away or figure out how to avoid. It's just a tension that we have to learn to manage in all of our relationships. It's something that we have to manage and we have to learn to recognize. And today what I hope to do is I hope to show you and hope that we can discover together how we can actually leverage this dynamic in a powerful and in a positive way because this reality should govern and it should inform the ways that we talk to one another. And specifically, it should influence the words that we choose. So like I said, this is week two of the series, but the series itself doesn't require a ton of setup because if you have ever found yourself crushed by someone else's words, you know that the title is true, that words carry weight, right? Words can be weighty. They can make a significant impact on our life. They can leave a mark for good or for bad. They can inspire us. They can build us up or they can destroy us and they can wound us. We've all been on the receiving end of words that have built us up. And those are probably some of those memories you look back on with fondness, right? When somebody spoke into you or encouraged you or believed in you, like we hold on to those as tightly as we can. But we've also all been on the receiving end, I would imagine, of words that have torn us down, words that have deflated us. They've left us wondering and they've taken away our confidence. And unfortunately, we often hold on to those words too because words have weight. I mean, think about how these words inherently feel to you. When you hear the words, I'm so proud of you, or you embarrassed me tonight, or I wouldn't miss it for the world, or you're not needed here anymore, right? We, we've all been on both sides of things like that before, haven't we? And I mean, some of those phrases, even just hearing them, they're emotional for you. They're personal. That's the power of words. Like here we are in a movie theater with words on a screen and I'm just reading them, but you're feeling things emotionally. Like it's deeply personal. It reflects something that someone has said to you and it gets really emotional. The reason that is, is because our lives have been shaped by the words that are spoken to us, the words that are spoken over us, words spoken at us, 
and words spoken about us. These words can shape our childhood. They can shape our relationships. They have built up and they have undermined marriages. They've restored marriages. They impact our confidence. And for many of us, words are the thing that have shaped who we see when we look at ourselves in the mirror. They've shaped our identity in powerful, powerful ways. And so if you remember last week, we said that all of us are pretty quick to recognize this dynamic and this idea that words have power as it relates to other people's words to us. But we are often slow to recognize and we're slow to acknowledge and admit the fact that our words have equal power in the lives of other people. That the fact is, we're often slow to take responsibility for the weight of our words. And the fact that that's kind of true for most of us really should bother us, right? It really should motivate us to do something about it. But it should bother some of us more than the rest of us. Because for those of us who consider ourselves Jesus followers, the idea that our words have the potential to build up or to wound I mean, the power and the notion that our words have the potential to undermine somebody's confidence or undermine their sense of self-worth or to inflict a scar that they might carry with them for the rest of their lives. Man, the potential and the power of our words should really bother us. And of all people, Jesus followers should take responsibility for our words. And here's why. It's because the Apostle Paul taught us that, that Christians aren't, are actually supposed to love one another in a very specific way that we're called to love other people in a very specific way, that we're called to love one another in the same way that God, through Christ, loves us. And that's why if you've ever read through any part of the New Testament, specifically letters written by Paul, eventually you'll bump into this list of phrases that say that you should do something to one another, right? We're called to encourage one another and to honor one another and forgive one another and carry one another's burdens and live sacrificially, putting others before ourselves. We should actually sacrifice for the benefit of other people. And all of that means our words matter as well. That we are more responsible than the average person, if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, for leveraging our words in such a way that builds people up. And those kinds of words that we're talking about today are the words that should characterize us. And by the way, if you're here and you're not a Jesus follower, or you're just checking things out, you're not sure where you stand, maybe even you used to be a Jesus follower or a Christian, and you kind of hit eject on that whole situation and you're out, I would be willing to bet that it's probably true that you may be more curious about Christianity or you may even stay committed to Christianity if the Christians you knew had been a little more cautious with their words. I mean, isn't it true that often it's the words that Jesus followers use that keep people from actually encountering Jesus? Sometimes we struggle with our faith because of the words we of the people we find ourselves associating with. So in this series, uh, what we're doing is we're exploring three dynamics that are at play in specifically our most important relationships and the conversations that we have within them. Uh, last week, we said that the more intimate a relationship is, the weightier the words become. Uh, and so these dynamics that we're talking about, it's, they're at play every time you have a conversation with someone who's important to you, whether you recognize it or not. In your conversations with family members, uh, with friends, to some extent coworkers, or maybe people at school, in almost every conversation, these are three dynamics that determine what people hear regardless of what we say. And that's an important distinction, right? There's a difference sometimes between the words that we say and what people actually hear. And we talked last week about how we don't actually have an excuse to just say, well, I'm just being honest, uh, because that's not really an excuse to not be kind or to not build people up or to not consider what it's like on the other side of us. And I would be willing to bet that as we talk through these dynamics, all of us have been on the receiving end of these at some point, which you would think would make it easy for us to keep them front and center and to keep them on the top of our mind as we're choosing our words. But in fact, we don't. 
So last week we introduced the first dynamic, which was this, it's that words are not equally weighted. Words are not equally weighted. In other words, all words don't weigh the same. And specifically last week we said that negative words weigh more than positive words. And so we talked about proportion control. Not portion control, that's good too, but proportion control in terms of paying attention uh, to the ratio between positive words and negative words that we're speaking in our relationships. And we said like there comes a time where sometimes you do have to say something negative in a relationship. Sometimes you have to bring a hard truth or you have to confront somebody about something. But if we want to have the kind of relationship where people are actually able to hear those negative words when we need to bring them, uh, then we have to pay attention and we have to load up on positive words when we don't need to bring something negative. Whether we like it or not, whether we think it's fair or not, it's really difficult for people to hear the negative words that we have to say if all they get from us is negative words. In fact, it's really difficult for people to hear in moments where we have to say something negative, even if the balance is just one-to-one. Because again, negative words weigh more than positive words. And so we said we had to load up on the positive if we want to actually have healthy relationships and healthy communication inside of them. So today, uh, we're going to talk about a second dynamic that's at play in all of our closest relationships. And that dynamic is this. It's that source determines weight. That the weight of a word is determined ultimately by the source of that word. That the who that's behind the what is said matters. The source of a word determines the weight of the word. And let me give you just a couple of quick illustrations to show you what I mean. Like for all the ladies in the room, right? If you're uh, meeting a friend, you're going out for coffee, right? You go down to Aroma, you show up down there and walk in and your friend sees you and they say, oh my gosh, you look great, right? That's always a good thing. That's a great experience. And to you, maybe those words weigh like five pounds. I don't know. It's, it's a good thing, right? It lifts you up. It, gives you a great experience and maybe you have your coffee and you hang out and then you end up going back home. If your 16-year-old daughter comes home from school and she walks in the door and she sees you and she says, mom, you look great. Like we look like we could be sisters, <laughs> right? Some of you are like, I can't imagine that much, Eric. <laughs> like that will never happen. But, but like those words are like 50 pound words, aren't they? They might even be the exact same words spoken in two different contexts, but the difference between the five pound words in the coffee shop and the 50 pound words at home is not because of where they were said, but it's because of who said them, right? Those words can have extraordinarily, extraordinary power. Or for me, like in my world as a pastor and as a leader, uh, this can happen to me often, uh, maybe in a negative sense sometimes. I've heard from some people uh, that I can be an intimidating person to approach which cracks me up because look at me, like <laughs> I'm not in any way attempting to be intimidating to people, but uh, sometimes it's intimidating for people to approach me and, and talk to me. They feel this kind of intensity on the other side of me. And I've asked friends about this before, like, do I have like a mean face or like, am I doing something wrong? And, and friends will often tell me, no, but remember the weight of your words, right? Remember the weight of who you are. Because in my mindset, like when people wanna meet with me, I'm Eric, right? Like we can go grab coffee, we can hang out, we can talk. But for them, I'm Pastor Eric, right? Or Leader Eric or whatever. Like, I, it's like in our culture, there's still some sense of authority or of like, oh, like, can we even talk to that guy? He talks to God, which you can too, by the way. But, but like there's this intimidating factor that shows up in the midst of it. And so uh, again, friends will say like, you gotta remember the weight of your words. Uh, sometimes if I'm meeting with somebody, whether they're on our team or, or somebody asks to me and I have to deliver bad news or, or something kind of confrontational, there are times where I, where I will actually send somebody else to deliver the news. 
And it's not because I'm a chicken and because I'm afraid to, to step into hard things, but it's because just by being Pastor Eric, sometimes those words bring an extra weight because the source determines the weight. And, and do you know why people often need to tell me, like, hey, remember the weight of your words? It's because I often forget. I, I often forget. When I see people who are a part of our church and I see you guys, you know who I see? I see people, right? I see, I see friends. I see, like, we're on the same level. But do you know who people in our church see me as? They see pastor. There's a relationship, but it's not the same relationship. Uh, when it relates to, to coworkers or team members around here, right? I see coworkers and peers and friends, but because I'm lead pastor, they see boss, right? They, they see something different. And so it's a relationship, but it's not the same relationship. And so let me tease this out just a little bit further. It kind of looks like this. The source determines the weight of our words and the weight determines the impact and the impact ultimately determines the outcome. The source of our words determines the weight of the word and that weight determines the impact or how it lands with the other person and how it lands often, whether we like it or not, shapes the outcome that we receive in our relationships. Uh, you know, there's a question that I'm asked a lot of time if I'm with other pastors or if I'm in like a leadership setting and people are talking about how to get better uh, or, or even if I've just gone through something difficult and somebody kind of observed me going through it, people will ask me sometimes, hey, how do you handle conflict or, or how do you handle criticism? Which whenever I get this question, I say, what criticism? Right? Like who could possibly criticize me? People don't criticize pastors or churches. That's not true, by the way. Uh, that we are as susceptible, if not more susceptible, as anybody else. Uh, but my serious answer is typically, it depends on where it comes from. Like, like, how do I handle criticism? It depends on where it comes from. Because over the years, uh, we've received some criticism, even as a church. Uh, we're like this church that meets in a movie theater, right? And that's kind of weird to some people. So uh, I've heard through the grapevine that there are people who are like, I think that's a cult that meets out there. Like, I don't know. The, the church that I was a part of uh, prior to this church uh, because we tried to make the doors of the church wide open, tried to make it extremely accessible, and tried to make faith practical and easy to understand, often we were labeled uh, with this brand name. People would call us a gospel light church, which is like Bud Light, I guess, but for church instead of beer. I don't know. But people would basically say like, oh, it's surface level or, or it's, it's fluffy. Occasionally, we'll get like grumpy Facebook messages uh, from people who don't like the way that we do church or the way that we talk about faith. And for all of those instances, you know what I typically do with that kind of criticism? I normally laugh about it. I mean, at first I'm like, oh, wow, they said that? Okay. And then it becomes a joke to me. Like, internally, sometimes I'll joke about the cult that we're running around here because, like, they're not here, right? They're not a part of it. They're outside of it. It's just criticism that's floating out there. And if it's out there, it really doesn't impact me. But if a member of our elder board was like, hey, Eric, we've got to have a meeting this afternoon because I think you might be leading us into becoming a cult, I'm like, Ashley, start praying, right? Because I don't know, this is a big, they can fire me if they want to. Like, like that's a big deal. Or, or if a family member uh, starts criticizing the way that we do things or the way that I'm leading, man, that carries a different kind of weight. And, and do you know why? It's because the source determines the weight. And, and this is true not only in a negative sense, okay? This is also true as it relates to the positive things that we speak to one another too. So what that means for all of us today is that each one of us in our most significant relationships, every one of you has the potential to leverage the weight of your words in specific relationships. And if you get this right, you can actually make other people better. That if we leverage our words wisely, we can make other people better. And I can remember this happening in my life 
uh, through an inter- interaction I had once after I taught. If you were with us last week, I shared kind of a negative one where I got some feedback from a mentor who kind of crushed me in the moment. Uh, we're going to go to the positive side this time, okay? So this was still pretty early on uh, in my time teaching and preaching and being on stage. And so I was still nervous and I was still figuring it out. But I realized uh, there was this dynamic that typically happened after we taught. It still happens here today, actually, in some ways. Uh, but it's especially in the church that I was a part of then, uh, after I was done talking, I would like take off the microphone, I would walk down, and we would stand in the front of the stage, and sometimes people would come forward uh, and they would like say something nice. You'd get like, a, hey, nice message, or I really connected with that today. And that was always cool to hear. Occasionally you would get someone who wanted to argue with you and depending on how the argument was going, it was either really fun or like, okay, we'll see you never. But it, it, people would come up, they would say some things. Typically people would come up and they would remember the stories and the illustrations and maybe not so much the point, which that's okay, that happens for all of us, right? Uh, but this was the dyna- dynamic that happened to me after almost every talk. And like I said, it still happens here today. People will come up and they're like, hey, that was good for me, or, or that one really connected, or I like that story about Eden. Uh, but I can remember this one time, pretty early on in my teaching, I take up, took off the microphone, I walked down, and I was standing, and all of a sudden my dad was walking towards me. And, and I could like read on his face, he looked really emotional. And I'm like, oh no, what did I do, right? Who did I embarrass? Like, am I being disowned by the family? What's going on? My dad walks up and he just gives me this massive bear hug. And if you've seen my dad, like he's a big guy. He can genuinely bear hug me. So he he gives me this huge hug and I will never forget. I don't remember what talk it was. I have no idea what sermon series we were in, what passage I taught on any of that, but I will never forget. My dad brought me in this big hug and he said, I can't tell you how proud of you I am. And he said, you were made to do this. And I'm like, who are you and what have you done with my father? Really? Like, what, what just happened? No, I was floored, honestly, in the moment. And, and, and it is a moment that in so many ways was a turning point in my confidence and in my belief and my ability to get up here and to do this. And do you know why? Those words weighed so much different than the countless other thank yous and good message and whatever that I get week after week. It's because the source determines the weight. My father believed in me. My, my dad was proud of me, and he saw something, and I still carry that with me. So here's the point, and, and here's what we can actually do with this, okay? Besides just being aware of it, besides just knowing, for all of us in our relationships with this dynamic at play, all of us need to remember who you are and what you represent to the person on the other side of you in every conversation that you have. And in any relationship where you have the advantage, whether it's positionally or relationally or maybe even financially, like any any situation where you have an advantage over another person, then you have a unique opportunity because your words carry an additional weight. They carry a unique weight. And what we can do together is we can be aware of this, but we can actually leverage that opportunity every chance we get. We can leverage our weighty words to encourage and to build up and to protect the people who are closest to us. And for just a second, I wanna talk about a few really specific applications of this to a few very specific groups of people. So if you're like not in this group, uh, you may be someday, so it might be worth listening to, or if nothing else, just humor me for a second, I'll get to you in a minute. Uh, but for like moms and dads in the room, oh my gosh, I mean, as a dad, like I can't imagine a principle or a dynamic that is more important for us to master than understanding the weight of our words as parents. Uh, in fact, one of my favorite quotes uh, was written down by a rabbi uh, in a book he wrote. His name's Abraham Joshua Heschel, but he said this phrase once, that words create worlds. 
He's talking about this principle, right? That the words that we speak actually create the world that people inhabit or the world that people live in. And man, nowhere is that more true than in your relationship with your kids. No matter how old they are, right? No matter how far along in the journey, your words as a parent create or created the world that your kids live in. I mean, your kids crave a sense of self, a sense of self-worth and of self-image, and, and they crave to hear it from you, right? Who you see them as and, and who you or how you approve of them. And here's the thing that's true. Your kids are gonna find someone to fill that void or to fill that question, whether or not it's you, but they want it from you. They wanna hear from you who you see them as and how you believe in them. Maybe on the more heavy-handed or negative side of thing, I was thinking about this dynamic uh, through an encounter that I had in our student ministry uh, this past fall, we were having a conversation about bullying, which if you've paid attention to our schools and if you've paid attention to our world, bullying is everywhere, right? Bullying is, is crazy and it's really impacting the real lives of real kids and, and real families. And uh, I remember sitting there and listening to this conversation and we were talking in our small groups about bullying and I had this realization that like the kids aren't the problem, right? Like the bullying's not starting there. Do you know where they're getting it from? They're watching us. They're watching us. They're watching the way that we choose to use our words towards the people that we disagree with, towards the people that we think differently than, towards the people that we think are wrong. They're watching us and they're listening to us. And it is this living illustration of the weight of your words as a parent. And, and here's what I feel strongly about. We gotta stop it, guys. We've gotta stop setting an example that we don't want our kids to emulate. We've gotta stop letting our words just be fired out recklessly and instead, we've got to remember the weight of our words. And one other arena uh, where I, I just think parents, you got to remember this. And I'm talking to me as much as anybody, okay? I'm not immune to this. Uh, but there's those moments as a parent that you have to go into your kid's room or you have to confront your kid and, and, and deliver bad news or maybe some punishment along the way. Depending on your kid, it might be daily, it might be monthly, I don't know. <laughs> but here's what I want you to understand in, in this dynamic, that you have a relationship, but it's not the same relationship. It's that when you walk into your kid's room to deliver some not so good news, uh, to hand out some punishment or to confront them, what you see is somebody who knows better and ought to do better, right? But what they see is they see the person whose approval matters to them more than anyone in the world. And I'm not saying you shouldn't still confront. You absolutely should still confront. But remember the weight of your words. It's not the same relationship. You have a relationship, but it's not the same relationship, and your words can create the world that your kid ends up living in. We'll keep it in the family, but move to a different group of people. Uh, I'm a younger brother, so I'm gonna talk to the older siblings in the room today, <laughs> and so if you're here, I see you squirming. Uh, older siblings, uh, here's what I gotta tell you. Your words carry more weight towards your younger siblings than you could possibly understand. Okay, your words carry an extraordinary weight. And, and look, I get it. Like to you, they're like a gnat, right? Your younger sibling, they're just like around and you can't get them to go away. It's like they're just hovering and they're around. You're like, what are you doing here? I didn't even invite you, right? And here's what I want you to get. The reason that they hover and the reason that they spend time around you and the reason uh, that they're like always around you, it's because they're looking to you, right? They, they, they want your approval. They want your attention and you play a unique role in the life of your younger sibling. Your words carry a unique weight. And here's what I want you to get. It's that you play a unique role and you will either use the time, especially if you guys still live in the same house, 
Okay, you will either use the limited time that you have, this fleeting opportunity, to do something amazing in the life of your younger brother, your younger sister, right? To help them understand the person that they are, that they could become, to build them up and to encourage them. You can leverage that time when you have it or you can miss it and you'll all be worse for it. But you have to understand your words carry extraordinary weight as an older sibling. One more group, again, keeping it in the home, but we're just gonna flip the script for a second. Kids, right? All of us, all of us are somebody's kid. (laughs) But kids, you have no idea how weighty your words are to your parents. And I think this is true the older that you get, right? The more independent you get, the weightier your words become as a child. But even for me, like I've started to see this dynamic uh, in the life of my daughter. She's four years old, okay? She's only been talking half her life, maybe. But already she's using her words and they are so weighty to me. Uh, There's a negative example that just happened the other day. Uh, We were getting ready to go to the Howard County Fair because it's fair season, right? We did Miami County, Howard County was last week. It's gonna be circus festival. It's what we do now. So uh, we were getting ready to go there and Eden really wanted to color with me. So we drew a picture of a Ferris wheel and she really wanted to draw me and mom and her on the Ferris wheel. And we were getting up from the table. We had lunch and we're gonna go color it. And Eden just real cheerfully, real innocently goes, yeah, Dada, and I'm gonna draw you and me looking at our phones. And I'm like, oh, really? She's like, yeah, we'll be looking at our phones and mama will be trying to get our attention and we'll just be looking at our phones. And I'm like, right? Like gut drops. Like I'm the guy who teaches about how we're supposed to pay attention to our kids and the weight of our words and all that stuff I was just saying. And there she is just dropping this truth bomb on me. And it was so weighty. To be fair, she flipped the script and then said, no, no, mama will be on her phone. So it's equal opportunity offense in the McCoy household. But my point is coming from Eden, man, that weighed so much because I recognize my role as her parent. But I can imagine as she gets older, her words will only get weightier. And so like kids, whether you're an adult kid or a teenage kid or a less than teenage kid and you snuck in here, whatever it is, like use your words to build up your parents. And don't hear me wrong. It's not your job to affirm your parents. Okay, that's not why you're here. Uh, That can get into like a weird codependent space and that's not what we're talking about. That's not what you're here for, but when you choose to do it, your words carry extraordinary weight because the great secret is we're all making it up as we go, right? Nobody gave us the handbook. But when you catch your parents doing it right and when you call it out, you have no idea how weighty those words can be. Here's my point. Okay, the point is whether it's at home or at school or at work or in the neighborhood, remember who you are and remember what you represent to the person on the other side of you. Because who we are and what we represent, uh, it should determine what we say and the words that we choose because who we are and what we represent determines the weight of our words. And so at this point, you're probably like, okay, this has been a lot of great positive advice and a really lousy sermon, right? (laughs) Like you're probably like, did you forget the Bible part, Eric? I didn't. We're not just like positive thinking church here or anything like that, okay? Uh, But I said this earlier. If you're here and you're a Christian, this has to move beyond the realm of good advice for you. If you're here and you're a Jesus follower, this, this is not optional for us. And if you're here and you're not a Jesus follower, like it still works, okay? It still applies. It's still important. And I would imagine that that you could see how much different our world and our nation and even our local community and our families would be if all of us would just do this, if we would just leverage our words with the intent and the idea of building other people up, that would be extraordinarily powerful. But for Christians, the stakes are higher because if you're a Jesus follower, again, this isn't optional. It's not an add-on. 
Okay, this isn't like, oh, it's going to make me a better person and I want to be heard, so I'm going to learn how to do it. it. It's not a ploy for us to leverage in somebody's life for us to get them to hear us. Okay, this isn't like just load up on the positive and then you'll be able to control them and take them wherever you want. That's not what we're talking about today. Instead, the reason this is a big deal is because we are obligated as Jesus followers to get this right because we have a responsibility. And, and we have a responsibility because we've been commanded by our Savior to love others the way that he loves us, which includes the words that we use. We've been commanded to leverage our words with the benefit of the other person in mind. And last week we teased out a passage, which I'm just going to read for you really quick, just to kind of set the context again. It's written by the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians. He says this, do not let any unwholesome word come out of your mouths, but only words that are good for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. He says, do not, right? This is a command. Do not let any stinky, unwholesome, yucky words come out of your mouth but only words that are good for building others up. In other words, every conversation is like a construction site. And you can either tear stuff down or you can build it up in the lives of the people on the other side of you. So he's asking like, do you choose to use your words, not according to your own needs, but for the needs of those on the other side of you that it may benefit those who listen. And why is this a big deal? Right? Why is Paul talking about this? Is it just so like, if you do this, you're gonna get along with people? No, that, that's not the reason. The reason is if you're a Jesus follower or if you're a Christian, we have to get this right because if you're a Jesus follower, you don't just represent yourself. You don't represent yourself. For us, this application that we're talking about has a twist. The application for everybody is remember who you are and what you represent to the person on the other side of you. But here's the twist. If you're a Jesus follower, remember who you are and who you represent to the person on the other side of you. And who are you? You're more than just an employer. You're more than just a manager. You're more than just an employee. You're more than just a neighbor. You're more than just a parent. You're more than just an older brother or an older sister. You are a follower of Jesus. And to use Jesus's words, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And you should let your light shine before others that they might see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. See, Jesus is effectively saying, you represent me. And you are the salt of the earth, so our words should do what salt does. It should preserve and it should protect, never harm or undermine. That our words should be like the light of the world. Our words should bring light and life to everyone. And Jesus says to us, his followers, I want you to leverage your light. I want you to think about who's on the other side of you and I want your light to shine in such a way that people might ultimately see how you live your life and they might connect the dots between how you live and what you say and who you worship and who you follow. That we should use our weighty words to build and encourage. And for Jesus followers, it's not just an opportunity. It's actually our responsibility to represent Jesus well. And for just a second, as we wrap up, like imagine with me for a second, just for a minute, imagine the influence the church would have in our community and in our world if we had just gotten this one thing right. right? Imagine the influence. And to be clear, I'm not talking about influence so that we can control and coerce and get our way more. I'm saying influence because our king said this, that he didn't come to be served, but to serve. 
and to give his life as a ransom for many. So imagine if we took on that attitude of Christ and imagine if for the last 50 years or 20 years or even like the last 10 years, if Jesus followers had embraced this posture when they thought about what they were saying and how they were saying it and the words they chose towards the people on the other side of them, imagine where our country would be if we got this right, right? Imagine where our community would be. Imagine where our families would be. It's what we've been invited into. And I'm not exaggerating and I'm not stressing this. I know words like change the world sound like woo-woo and up there. But this posture, this attitude quite literally changed the world once and it changed the world for the better. Imagine if that was our track record today. Do you know what we would hear from people in our community? Not people within our church, but people within our community, people who may be skeptical of what we believe. I think we would hear, man, those Christians, like Story Church, that cult, whatever, that they believe some strange stuff, okay? But they are the most encouraging people I've ever met. Look, I, I took biology 101. I know resurrection's not a thing, okay? That, that stuff's crazy. But man, I think they're sincere. I think they believe it because of the way that they talk to me and the way that they live. And you know what? I was, I was in trouble once. I was in a tough spot. And it wasn't my friends that I turned to. It was my neighbor because I knew, not the Jesus thing, whatever, that's, they can do that on Sundays, right? But I knew that he would tell me the truth and he would tell it to me in love. That she would encourage me. That she saw value in me as a human being. Imagine what they would say if we had gotten this right. Christians, when we don't get this right, we lose the right to be heard. That's happening left and right. Okay, it's happened for decades as we get this wrong, as we sound just like everybody else, as we join the chorus and the chaos and all the noise and all the biting, we lose our right to be heard. We are neither salt nor light, but in Paul's words, if our words don't reflect the love of Christ, then we are like a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. I was in a drum line one time and my job was to play the gong and I'm telling you, I needed headphones because that thing is loud. I thought about trying to find one and bring it in here and just like illustrate, but you would never come back because you're like, that was so unpleasant. Okay, that's the point. That's the point. Paul is saying like, it, if you don't get this right, that's all you sound like to a watching world. And if you're here today and you're not a Christian, unfortunately, I have little doubt that it was likely the reckless words of a Christian that contributed to your resistance or to your decision to walk away from faith. And if that's you and if that's your story, I want you to hear from me that I'm so sorry and that we have no excuse. We have no excuse, but I hope that you'll look beyond us to Jesus who reserved his harshest words for religious people who use their words recklessly. And for all of us, here's the point. Remember who you are and what you represent to the person on the other side of you. And if you're a Christian, remember who you are and who you represent to the person on the other side of you because you represent Jesus himself. And in every conversation where this dynamic is at play, we have to learn to take you into account because source determines weight and weight determines impact and impact often determines the outcome. Let me pray for you. God, I am so eager for us to get this right. I mean, we live in a world where 
words are just weaponized and thrown at each other carelessly and they have real weight and real impact. And and unfortunately, the church has not been immune to this. So God, let it be different in us. Let this be a wake-up call for some of us that we have to be aware of the weight of our words. God, I pray for moms and dads right now that they would understand that their words actually create the world that their kids live in, that their words have such extraordinary impact. And uh, whether it's those moments of discipline or where we need reminded of how our kids view us or, or moments of encouragement that we have to remember to speak or moments where we just need to remember that they're watching us and taking their cue from us and how we relate to others in this world. God, help us be mindful of this dynamic. I pray that older brothers and older sisters would have the courage to love their younger siblings well, that they would speak encouraging words into their lives and make an impact that would far outlast them, even if they don't see it. God, I pray that kids would have the courage to speak up to their parents, that we could speak our appreciation, that we could acknowledge the incredible contribution our parents make in our lives. And again, God, for all of us, for the sake of a watching world, help us to be people who build up those on the other side of us who remember that every conversation is a construction site and that we're called to be salt and we're called to be light in this world. God, let it be so in and through our lives. We pray that in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in or near the Peru, Indiana area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend gatherings. To find directions, service times, and information about our environments for kids, visit us at storyperu.com.